Hello everyone and welcome to the latest Wolves Fancast episode. It's me, Little Dan, and tonight I've got with me Gully Kular to preview the Everton uh, Monday night fixture and a little bit of chat on last Saturday's one all draw away to Leeds. Let's go. <laughs> it would be a Wolves fan, eh? Right, Gully, how are we? I'm all right, pal. How are you? How are you? It's been a good week. It's been a long, long week at the moment. It feels like it. It like feels it. like it. We were uh, just outside Ellen Road watching police vans and horses go scarpering past us towards the Ronald McDonald's kickoff. I'm not sure if any Wolves fans were there. I hope we, you were behaving we, yourself. We saw the... We saw the coppers running past us, and we were waiting by the statue to meet um, meet my cousin. And um, I was just like, oh. it, it looked inevitable, you know, when there's a bit obviously going on between the fans during the game. Um, all manner of missiles thrown at Raúl Jiménez, I think, at one point. Um, so uh, clearly, that spilled over a little bit. Hope everyone's okay there. Yeah, Sais had a, a few lighters chucked in his collection if he needs to save on. Gas this, uh, do you reckon he has a cheeky, f- cheeky fag here and there, though, as well? Oh, I wouldn't like to to judge any professional footballer that may still continue to have the uh, the odd cigarette there. But some of the greats had cigarettes, and I know Zidane used to a bit, yeah. of, a bit of a chain smoker, so you can't judge him if he, if he'd uh, well, Zeng- if he'd... Zenga and Nuno did apparently. Um, and he's French ultimately, isn't he? Says so. I don't want to stereotype too much, but they like they do enjoy cigarette, don't they? What was your opinions on the uh, draw away at Leeds? Obviously, uh, goal at the death to lose us the uh, the three points, but a good point I think everyone would have taken before the game. I don't know, you know, I I was it's it a pretty crap game, I think, all round, and I just felt that there were moments in the game where. A little bit of composure, the right pass, the right kind of timing, and we could have really opened them up. But we let ourselves down far too often in possession. Um, so I've still got this idea in my head that you know we probably should have won. Um, that's not based on what we actually saw, but what kind of could have happened. And ultimately, if you get to the stage of a game where you're one nil up with injury time left on the clock. You'd like to think you'd be holding out there, and it's a disappointing way to. Because I, I didn't see Deed scoring. If I'm honest, I mean no. there was pressure, but I, I wasn't nervous within the ground really. It felt like I wouldn't say it was an. I don't want to describe it as a new now performance. It felt like it to a degree with, with the attacking intent that we had after we'd scored, but I felt we were we were defending really well uh, after Rafinha went off injured, and I, I never felt like they were causing us problems. There was always going to be camped in our half to a degree, but I never felt the goal was coming. Um, obviously, Joe Gallo came on, was a bit of a nuisance. He had a bit, that bit of acceleration, which they were they were missing in the final third. But I just felt the, the, the drop of the two points was down to fatigue and 
obviously the injuries to uh, Ait Nori and Matinho. And obviously going back again, we didn't really have the the depth on, on the bench, did we, on Saturday? I, I felt yeah. having someone like Willie Bolly may have been useful on, on Saturday because I think you could have I think put Saiz to left wing back. Yeah, people always assume that you know, coming off the bench, you just you got fresh legs and and that's it. You you should be into the game straight away. But I mean, I don't know about you. When I've ever come off the bench playing, it's a really weird thing to trying to get up to the speed of the game and stuff. You, you just can't do it immediately. And like Neves coming on with a few minutes to go to do the job that he was looking to do to try and protect and, and get about. It's, it didn't feel like he would have ever had too much of a chance and he got spun, you know, totally. If he was probably on the pitch for 20 minutes as opposed to the couple that he'd been on, I reckon he doesn't get spun in that way. What was your opinions on the uh, the penalty? I think if it's for Wolves, you're screaming for it, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. And in the context of Leeds having put us under so much pressure, they didn't necessarily look like they are getting anywhere. Of course, you're claiming it. I did think it was soft on first viewing, but I also I looked at the referee straight away and I thought he's going to give this. Like you just know the crowd were baying for blood at that point as well, and I think that that pressure led to it. Yeah, it it may have been different if we were playing at Molyneux, whether that had got given, like you said, the, the crowd in that last sort of fifteen fair, or twenty I think minutes even, with Walkers. Even if it was the other end of the ground, I reckon it, it might have been different. Yeah, it, might have it was been. that particular side that were absolutely gunning uh, for the ref at that point. How sad is that little thing they do with all the scarves? Just twirling the scarves around the road. It's just like playground chanting. I, I mean, we all we all take the piss out of Villa for the high pitched Villa chants, but it's in the same sort of league that all that sort of synchronised scarf waving. Let's try and get back to some sort of um, fun stuff from Saturday. Uh, Huangi Chan scored our three hundredth goal in the Premier League on Saturday. What did you make of the? The move that led to it and obviously the finish by our striker, which we can see here. Well, I mean, it felt quite straightforward from a free kick um, almost within our own half, wasn't it? And you know, Samedo does well down the flank. And once the ball's in the box, as we can see, anything can kind of happen. And he's just got that knack. It, it's, it's almost something that you can't necessarily coach, that instinct to just get in around the penalty area in the box and and pick things up and we haven't had that since since Jota left the club bottom line even Doherty would have had that kind of instinct and we just haven't got it anymore until now do you do you do you think it's instinct or literally when you're in form luck falls on your side I think it's instinct now I reckon he's the kind of player who will continue to get chances he might miss a few. He might go on a run of, you know, not taking them. And at the moment, it seems like everything he touches ends up in a goal. But I think positionally, the way then isn't the natural runs that he makes always seems to be towards goal, getting into the box. If the ball's wide, he's in at the back post, etc. So, yeah, I, I think it's definitely the way he plays because we've got players within the club who just simply don't have that instinct. So, and who, who are playing well. But you never see Troy already get a chance like that, as an example. This is the comment that I made a few, maybe a couple of months ago, in regards to Trinko Adama Podence on that sort of centre forward who's playing wide. They're sort of creators where I think Huang has got, like that said, the instinct to get himself in those sort of in between the post positions. If something falls, he's, 
is in a prime position. What did you think to Nelson Semedo sort of um, role in the goal? Well, I think to be honest, it's it's a bit overdue um, in the sense that I think he has a lot more to offer in the final third. I think at times he's been discouraged from really getting down to the byline. Um, he uh, he's shown that he's got the, the pace, the ability to make something good stuff in that in that scenario, but. I don't know if Bruno has necessarily wanted our wing backs. You know, we've been playing Marcel for the most part on the left, getting down to the byline and crossing it. We we are I know we are down on crossing crosses into the box um for the most part this season compared to the way we played last season even. So maybe it's a tactic, but clearly there's there's a route to goal from that area as well. How how did you find his performance in general? Obviously the stack came out yesterday which had Wolves Twitter going at each other from all angles as usual in regards to uh, Nelson Semedo is uh, in, in European football at the moment is the most successful at stopping attempted dribblers. He's uh, had an 82% success rate against attempted dribblers so far this season. I I don't think, I'm not surprised by it personally. I think because he's not kind of a big strap, he's not like Johnny, you know, he's got that kind of formidable frame He's really aggressive in the tackle. He hasn't got that kind of demeanour, so people don't assume that he's capable defensively. You know, he's got pace. He's technical. He's played for Barcelona. Automatically, you just think, oh, well, he, clearly he can't defend. And he's got this um, stereotype that's attached to him based on his past, I think, rather than what we've seen at Wolves. At Wolves, I don't think we've actually seen that much from him going forward, really. Um and that's probably the, the part of his game that I'd like to see an improvement in. Defensively, I think he's absolutely fine. I think everyone saw that he he did have a bit of a, a struggle acclimatising to the pace of the league at first. I think I think he did struggle with sort of diagonal crosses. I think he's, his judgment on... I think he fell short on a few sort of crosses when he first came in. But defensively, I, I think he's he, he has been solid uh, the more games he has played for Wolves. Obviously, he's... He has similar to Adam. He hasn't really got amazing stats from an output type area, but he's always a threat for us. And like I said, in regards to Huang, just hopefully when he he comes into form, little things will start going for him. He hasn't really. I think he's he's only scored once now for Wolves. That was out against United last. Yeah, season. United last game of the season. I think the other thing with him though is just that you can give him the ball in kind of tighter situations than you would have done with someone like Doherty. I, I'd be surprised if a lot of Doherty's passes when he actually received the ball were forward when when he was playing for us. He was more likely to receive the ball in the penalty area or, or in the final third. But receiving the ball in the middle third and moving the ball forward, Tomato's a much better player at, at, at doing that kind of thing. And I think he allows us to sustain attacks a bit more and people miss that. I think they don't quite see it. It's, it all goes back to similar with Fabio Silva, doesn't it, in regards to people are constantly judging him on his transfer value when you have to not point the finger but look towards the coach, the recruitment team, Jorge Mendes, whoever was involved in the agreement of paying that sort of transfer fee when GCSE business students would have known that Barcelona were imminently going to be facing a financial mess. Yeah. Yeah, and there's that element to it. But there's also the element, I personally believe, that we're basically not looking at that area of the pitch as a problem for the next three years, probably, at least. So 
yes, we might have paid a substantial amount of money for him, but now we've got him and Kiyana Herver, it's just not even you know, a consideration that we're going to be spending money on that part of the pitch. So if you think about it across a, a five-year contract, maybe, I, I can't remember what he signed, but you know, £27 million initially, a few million pounds per year, that's a solid Premier League dependable performer who, whether we really prosper or not, I don't think he's going to be the problem behind that. So I don't know what we're worried about. I mean, theoretically, that's a good point that you've made there in regards to that area of the pitch with Nelson Samado probably being the uh, main right back for the next two to three years minimum. That sort of pitch with Kiana Hover could theoretically be our right back area for the next seven to eight years, really, couldn't it, if Kiana Hover goes on to reach his potential? And so it should be. And so it should be. And that's, you know, succession planning. That's um, that's good business, um, especially when you consider that Herver probably was a bit, well, he's it, part of the Jota deal, wasn't he? The, the, the fee that we've actually paid might be disputed. Um, but like you say, that's probably, you could call that up to 10 years worth of investment, given, given Herver's age, especially. Let's... Uh quickly move over to Monday's game at home to Everton uh, Sky Sports 8pm Bruno Large up against Rafa Benitez what sort of uh, what's your sort of feelings on how Everton have, have, have fared so far? Everton have kind of been Everton I think haven't they? Um, I think I've kind of recalibrated my own opinion of their squad over the last couple of years and I've spent quite a bit of money and um, bringing in players like you know James Rodriguez, Gilfie Sigurdsson, who I won't say too much more about, obviously. Um, you know, Alex Iwobi was a big, big signing for them. Michael Keane, even, and they had Carlo Ancelotti at the helm as well. And and you just thought, well, maybe they're trying to make big moves here. But when you look at it, really, the squad isn't it isn't that stellar. Um, I'd stand ours up against it most days of the week, I think, and. Um, probably about where they're supposed to be with the idea of Rafa Benitez trying to eke a little bit more out of a squad that isn't that good. Before we quickly go into sort of the stats side of this, a uh, few players that have played for both sides, Jolien Lescott, Andy Gray, Michael Branch, Mike Stoll started uh, early part of his career there. So there's some uh, nice players to remember there. Specifically Michael Branch who came with as good a reputation as Sort of, I think he was being compared to Michael Owen around the time. Um, I think we paid maybe over a million for him at the time. He, he starts off on fire and then slowly. He was a pan shot version, wasn't he, of, uh, of Michael Owen? They probably he came rapid. through. Yeah, it probably came through at the same sort of time, same sort of area. Liverpool got the good one and Everton got the the dud in, in, in many ways, I guess. Yeah, um, obviously, Julian Lescott was key to our promotion. Back in the early 2000s, I think we made good money on Julian Lescott in in the end. Obviously, he gave, I think he had that sort of gentleman's agreement, didn't he, to give us one more year, which doesn't really happen a lot nowadays unless you're Daniel Levy and pull that gentleman's agreement away. Let's have a quick look at the previous fixtures in sight. Uh, Everton have won six out of the last 14 Premier League meetings between the two sides. This Premier League fixture averages 2.35 goals every game, so hopefully... 
an enjoyable game for the neutral on Monday. Everton took three points away from Molly last season with a 2-1 win with the goals coming from Alex Iwabi and Michael Keane. This was their 400th win in the Premier League out of 1,093 games, losing 385. That that sort of stat at the end then pretty much sums Everton up. They've won 400, lost three at the last season when the big just had won 400, drew, uh, lost 385. So they're just a pretty much middle-of-the-road Premier League side, aren't they? They are. and uh, I mean, if you look at the team now, even, there isn't that much exciting about them. Um, you know, their most exciting players, it seems, are Andros Townsend and Damari Gray. And it's like, these guys have been around for a while. You just kind of expect to see them in some kind of middling Premier League team. And it's just like, you, sh- you shrug your shoulders a little bit. Um, but at the same time, They've got probably enough to worry you. Um, I think, in particular, Richarlison um, is probably the one that seems to always have something on us. I, I don't know what it is, um, but he seems to save his best for whenever he turns up to play yeah. us. See, Richarlison has five goals in his six Premier League appearances versus Wolves. Just like you said, Gully, an absolute nuisance for us. Anytime as if there's one particular area or type of goal that he scores, he's, he's got it in abundance, hasn't he? Yeah, he's, I mean, he's got a header off a corner last season, didn't he, at, at, at Goodison Park, um, which, I mean, less said about last season, the better. But yeah. these are the kind of things where you expect to be dominating um, those kind of scenarios. He, he is a, he's clearly a talent. Uh, I mean, he starts for Brazil on occasion, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, to PSG in the summer transfer window. Maybe that's a Neymar putting in a word for him or something. Maybe he likes playing with him, but I don't know. Mauro Ricardi is going to carry on misbehaving off the pitch and being distracted from his playing game. Richarlison wouldn't be a bad replacement, would he? No, no. And uh, you know, he's he's got his own um, strops in the bank as well, hasn't he? I remember there being, I think it was a, there was a penalty, was it earlier in the season? And Calvert-Lewin took it. Yeah, um, and he had a bit of a he had a bit of a strop about that not not being given the chance, and yeah, maybe we can get inside his head a little bit this weekend. Although he, he seems to be living rent free in ours at the moment. Hopefully, I, I was thinking about this on my on my commute home earlier. I think Wolves need to be putting a marker down on this game on Monday, and, and where hopefully we'll finish in the top half. On these are, these are games that we need to be winning comfortably done. If we're going to be looking at a top half finish, hopefully someone like Ruben Neves who has three goals and two assists in his six Premier League appearances versus Everton, is back in the starting lineup. I mean, that free kick at home on, on the first uh, game under Nuno in, in the Premier League. It's a special day, wasn't it? I was at my mate's wedding. <laughs> so, unfortunately, I wasn't there. But, um, I, I mean, I, I, I've listened to the Peter Drury commentary that accompanied it many a time. Uh, I think it's in the intro, isn't it? Um, yeah. Of of that. Uh, of our show intro so yeah I, I mean Neves we missed him at the weekend I think bottom line we we missed his composure in the middle of the park and that that first pass that he seems to have in his locker where he releases the attack in the right way you know we tried to get their donker to play those passes in the Leeds game and he just hasn't got it in his locker so hopefully he comes back in and we're a much more fluent and uh, solid side in possession Middle of the park will be massively key on, on where this game is won on Monday night. You look at the sort of um, Ruben Neves, Tom Davis, Matinho, Alan, or, you know, Alan versus Den Donker. Everton have been quite um, open 
in regards to set pieces, but Wolves haven't scored a headed goal this season. Everton have conceded six goals from set pieces in the Premier League. I think we, that's got to be a, a main area where we've got to be looking at, hasn't it? Well, I, I mean, if we want to go beyond Premier League, we did score one against Tottenham, uh, Tottenham in the Cup. Um, then Donka got a header on that occasion. Really good, really good, solid header that was as well. And so we do have a threat from set pieces, but I mean, Max Kilman's due one, isn't he? I feel like he's had a couple of chances this season. Yeah. And he does attack the ball. He does throw his head in there. So maybe to this weekend, well, this Monday nights is his uh, is time to show. I was going to ask you, actually, how do you feel about Monday games when everybody's played over the weekend? It feels a bit... This bit this mad, week, this it? week for me, is just... I, I don't really know where I stand in regards to football. It feels like an international break, but it... It, it doesn't. I've done my fancy Premier League team like two days before I even before the deadline, and I just yeah. know something's going to happen in in the meantime. Something's going to happen. In, someone manager's going to say something in a press conference tomorrow. And I'm going to be like, oh, why did I put him in? It's just I'm, I'm a bit over the mess in regards to my calendar this week. Um, we both had a bit of a discussion offline how we feel. We're going to line up hopefully Neves and Matinho back fit. Uh, Matinho had a bit of a knock towards the end of the game. Do you feel that's how we're going to start um, on Monday? Back to uh, Soaring Goal, Kilman, Cody, Sace. Do you think Aiden Norrie will start left wing back again? Well, I think the way he played against Leeds um, should keep him in the team. Um, he he did exactly what Marcel doesn't do and provided a threat in the final third in possession. I I, I feel like he's, he's a better player again defensively than people... Will, will believe as well just because he has that attacking threat I think people automatically assume he can't kind of go back in the other direction what he does need to work on his fitness levels just because he seems to tail off massively um, in both of the games I've seen him this season I, I watched him against Forest in the Cup and he went off injured in that game or with cramp or whatever and he came off against Leeds as well so whether it, it's a bit chicken and egg because he needs 90 minutes but he can't yeah. last 90 minutes so they need to they need to sort that out really. Any sort of questions over Adama and Huang? I'm I'm gonna go out and pretty much say that Villa and Leeds, uh specifically with Huang's goal against Leeds, I didn't think either of his performances were was overly great. No, he didn't play that well. He didn't play that well. Um and I, I wonder if we're gonna get you know, you see Traore for 90 minutes tear a team apart. I don't think we're gonna see that with Huang. I think you're gonna see him turn up in moments. Um, he doesn't seem to be the player that's going to carry the ball 30, 40 yards like in, in the way that we've seen most of our forwards do over the last few years. So I don't think you can drop him just because, you know, he could turn up in those moments. But we'll need some more from Troy already this weekend. I, I had a look and against Leeds, he didn't complete a dribble, which is actually quite astonishing considering the extent to which he beats players. Um, so... He's going to have to step up to the mark and do a lot more to keep his place inside for a start, but to help us just be more of an attacking threat, he's got a lot of responsibility on his shoulders there. I had a bit of a discussion with Toffee TV uh, YouTube channel, and they've got them set up in a four-four-one-one. Uh, Richarlison leading the line with Demari Gray behind. Any areas there you think we should be going at? I, I mean, not too much strikes fear into me in, in that team. Um, I think Gray is a decent player, to be fair. He's, he scored a goal against us for Leicester. I think the that famous 4-3 game, he pulled one back, didn't he? Um, 
So he could be a threat. But the centre of their midfield, Alan's okay, but uh, Tom Davis, I think, is, is a player who we can get out a little bit. Our midfield needs to be pinpointing Tom Davis for me. I'm, I'm not sure with the amount of money that Everton have spent in, in recent years, they've still got Tom Davis in that centre midfield. I've, I've never rated the guy. I'm, this might come back to bite me on, on Monday night, but Ruben Neves, Jean Martino, Leander Dendonka, Morgan Gibbs-White. I'd expecting these sort of midfielders to be getting the best of Tom Davis. Obviously, yeah. Seamus Coleman, solid right back throughout the years for Everton, but maybe not as quick as he used to be. And obviously, Luca Dinia is probably... Uh, not uh, not not overstayed his welcome, but probably should have left for bigger things by now. I think yeah, I think he's one of the best fullbacks um, in the league, to be honest. And yeah, you know, I mean, most most fullbacks are going to enjoy a pretty tolly time against Triore. So pinning him back will be really important. And if he doesn't manage to get forward and put crosses into the box, that's um, half the job done from from a defensive point of view. Because I don't see too much creativity other than that. Um, Townsend will obviously be cutting in and shooting as as he tends to do, but if we just keep a lid on Richarlison and and, and keep a lid on Dini kind of providing from that flank as well, we can we can really push these guys back and, and get on top of them. I mean, I, I might be in a, on a different mindset, but Everton playing four four one one against us to me seems to play into our hands. We've got just way more areas on the pitch to keep the ball, keep them moving round, and you look at their their wingers there, Andros Townsend and Anthony Gordon. You've got to be looking at getting a Dharma one on one against sort of Luca Dinia and uh, Huang against Coleman. And going back to that sort of stat that we mentioned, just in regards to the set pieces, I don't see how it's not going to be another high scoring game on Monday. What do you think? Well, it depends on how we go and set up. Just because we still haven't got that attacking fluency back from the from the early games if we created chances to that volume i can see us trouncing them genuinely like a three nil but we're not playing that way at the moment we're just lacking something there's a bit of a misconnection between the midfield and the strikers i think which we've got to sort out and i like to think that having eight nuri out on the left hand side will help that and give them a little bit more support in attack and because marcel just offers nothing in the final third whatsoever. So maybe that'll give us that added fluency. But again, we had the opportunity against Leeds. They were open. They were there to be attacked, but we didn't go out and do it because our passing was shocking. So we've got to work on that part of our game as well. After these nine games that we've played so far, where do you see Wolves ending up currently? I think we're going to be middle of the road. I said this kind of start of the season. If, if we finished between 10th and 13th without having necessarily bolstered the squad to the extent that we wanted, I'd be relatively comfortable with that. Only, I guess, in the knowledge that we would look to spend and, and, and really upgrade the side, whether it be January or in the summer. Um, given that Bruno is new to the division as well, he's not got a massive... CV of experience at top level management, I think you be, could be quite pleased. Um, expectations, I don't think we're that high, really, with that that's this season. So I'm, I'm not getting Rafa, isn't he? I'm, I'm not sure what what both fans were 
expecting from both the sides this season, but with the the lack of investment by both sides and managers who are, who, are, who haven't come in with a lot of sort of vocal support from the fan bases either, I think is is going to be difficult for both coaches to really get the fans properly on side until results come on a regular basis. I mean, Rafa's all kind of, the isn't he? He's kind of had the exact opposite, hasn't he, Rafa, given yeah. that his, his Liverpool connections, obviously. But I also think that, you know, cut through the bullshit, he's a good level manager for Everton to have at the club. He's He's still got a good track record. He's capable of putting a good Premier League side together. Now, what he had at Newcastle was pretty average and he probably got more out of them than you would have expected. So to then take a slightly better quality squad and try and eke a little bit more out is about what Everton fans probably should be hoping for, something between 7th and 10th, you know, the decent finish for them. But it goes back to that old, old saying, you know, what should we all be expecting? You know, we were all, we've always asked Newcastle fans this question, haven't we? You know, what is it that you want from your football club? I guess Everton are in that boat now because they've been years without having a really top team when David Moyes is in charge. And they've massively overspent. Just going to put you on the spot. Do you think Benitez might be in the running for the Newcastle job? I wouldn't be surprised. I think that would be a really sound kind of uh, appointment for them just because I don't see, you know, people flocking to, to their gates to actually apply for that position. No one wants connection. to be the first manager of that reign, do they? No, and, and let's be honest, they're already in an absolutely shocking position as it is. You would only go into that job if you knew X, you know, four or five quality additions were going to be made in January. Um, whereas Benitez is potentially capable of getting enough out of that team to keep it in the league. Before um, Monday's match, uh, Sky, 8pm, what's your score prediction? I'm going to go 2-0 Wolves. I think I'm going to go the same. I said I wouldn't predict Wolves to win again after flipping that Brentford prediction, but hmm. I think it might just be a nice, solid Monday night 2-0 win. Before we end the show tonight, I'm going to have a little quiz with you, Gull. I'm going to put you on the spot with five questions. There we go. General general knowledge on football, bit of Wolves, and one random question. Let's we start with Dan Quiz for a while. I know right. it's been it's been too long, hasn't it? This is how I pretty yeah. much crowbarred my way into being where I am today. Yeah. Um, first two questions are, uh, are based around World Cup 2010. Okay. Which doesn't seem that far uh, away, but um, yeah, eleven, 11 years, years now. Who was the only team at World Cup 2010 that was unbeaten in the tournament? Uh, I think I know this. Was it New Zealand? It was New Zealand. Yeah, they drew Spain all the games. Spain won the tournament, they? but they drew yeah. all the games and, and went out. Yeah. Who won the 2010 World Cup Golden Ball? Golden Ball is the best player. I think Golden Balls, isn't it the most goals and assists? I thought Golden Golden Boot is for the goals. Golden Ball is just for the best player, 2010. Yeah. Uh, I don't think he was far off actually winning the Golden Boot. Oh, wasn't he? Okay, I'm thinking he must have been a Spain player. Was it David Villa? The correct answer was Diego Forlan. Oh, he actually, yeah, yeah, 
He played really well. I, I'd remember yeah, him having like a story. great... Was that the tournament yeah. where Suarez handled it on the line? Yeah, yeah. So they got to the semi-final, I think. Um... Gone, huh? Yeah. Asamoah's Janet in the bar. <laughs> and it, it, I bet that keeps him awake at night, that still. Uh, so this week in 2010, Wolves beat Man City 2-1 at Molyneux with goals from uh, Nenad Milias and Dave Edwards. Who scored for Man City that day? Um... I'm going to say it was Edin Dzeko. No, it was Emmanuel Adeboyle. Oh, really? <laughs> Another good day. Losing 1-0. A penalty it was, apparently. Kevin Fowler oh, it gave pen? it away. I can't yeah. remember the pen. I remember our goals. Sent Hanneman the wrong way. Yeah. Right, so uh, going obviously 2010 theme, we signed Jelly Van Dam from Anderlecht in June 2010. How much would did we pay for him, according to Wikipedia? I'm sure it was about two million or something. It went a lot, was it? Two million? Two and a half million. Two and a half. God, and he only what, lasted a few months. What a solid signing. Ruined because he couldn't handle Wolverhampton culture. He's living on that but, south coast in Southampton and then... But we, I remember us having a real problem at left back at the time. Yeah. But Mick then started playing him left wing. And it was just really bizarre. Like Who was playing left back behind him? Probably Stephen Ward. Ward. Yeah. Must have been. He, he, Ward or Elikobi. It was all about trust, wasn't it? Mick McCarthy trusted Stephen Ward to do a job at left back, but you can see why we were in the market for a left back that summer. And the random question of this little quiz is, miners from what country were saved after a record 69 days underground in October Chile, 2010? Chilean Chile. miners, yeah. Chilean miners, yeah. How could you forget and, that? To be fair, it's like eleven years ago, I was like, I, I was, tw- was twenty three. I was living. To be honest, probably nineteen to twenty four were my prime years. Best times just, of my life. Just turned eighteen. Oh man, that's all a blur for me. Let's just uh, have a, one more look at Huang's goal, which is our three hundredth in the Premier League last uh, Saturday. Uh, I love the way the, the player playing him off onside put his hand up to try and claim off. Do, do you know what I was thinking when you said that there? Do you remember when we do you know when we beat Leeds 4-3? Yeah. Where Dave Edwards scored late. Yeah. I was watching the, the, the footage back of that the other day and Benny Cafobi scores and Sol Bamboo is literally on the goal line <laughs> with his hand up for offside. If you if you go and watch it back, it's one of the most daftest things you'll see a footballer do. And uh I think that's where we're going to call it the end of an episode. As always, thanks for joining me and Gully on the episode in association with 90minute.com, Pixel Yeti Media and the Sports Shop Kings Winford. Our folks will be back after the Everton game to review, hopefully, another home win after the recent win over Newcastle. As always, thanks for subscribing, viewing, commenting. We'll see you again. See you guys.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.